Prepare to have your health questions answered here on Safe, Effective, Natural Solutions with Dr. Todd Binkley, owner of Binkley Healing Center in downtown Ventura. Now, here's Dr. Todd. Good afternoon. I am Dr. Todd Binkley, board-certified doctor of non-force chiropractic and practitioner of functional medicine. The focus of this show is to arm you with information you can use to prevent disease. And if you have early signs of disease, reverse it. And heart disease is obviously one of the most important things that you want to identify early so you can prevent it because it's the number one cause of death in America. We've been talking about heart disease prevention this entire month. This is the last Friday in February. I'm happy to talk about this again anytime you like. This is the last week I'm going to focus on it. What I've said before is three things there you can do to prevent and reduce your risk of heart disease. Keep the pipes clear, keep the pressure low, and keep the pump strong. So you keep the pipes clear by reducing plaque formation. And most doctors try to convince people that the way you do that is by taking statin drugs to reduce your cholesterol. And if you listen to the previous episodes, then you'll know that that's actually not true. Inflammation causes the damage to your blood vessels that causes plaque formation. And that's what fails to keep the pipes clear. So keep the pipes clear, keep the pressure low, keep the pump strong. You keep the pressure low by relaxing. Anything you do to relax will keep the pressure low. You keep the pump strong by doing exercise. So the best, what's the best exercise I should do? Well, the best exercise you should do is the one that you enjoy. Do something to move your body that you actually enjoy doing, because then you'll actually do it. The most important exercise is the one that requires the least amount of effort that you'll actually do, that you don't have to pay any money for or buy any special equipment for. Go for a walk. If you have access to a swimming pool, go for a swim. Swimming is wonderful. Swimming and walking are probably the two easiest things for anyone to do, because if you have a pool and a swimsuit, you don't need any special equipment. But of course, the ultimate exercise is just walking. Walk outside. Go for a walk someplace that you like. There's a there's a tremendous overlap between the two things. Keep the pressure low and keep the pump strong. You keep the pressure low and keep the pump strong by exercising. But there are some other things you can do to keep the pressure low, like meditation. And I know some people's eyes glass over when you say meditation. Oh, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here and think about this and that, and the whole point of meditation is to think about nothing. And that can be really difficult, but there's some really great forms of meditation if you're interested in that. One of my favorites is called Japa Meditation. I first heard about this from Wayne Dyer back in the 80s. You can go on YouTube and look up Japa Meditation, Wayne Dyer. It's nothing to do with any belief or any religious system. It's just a means of calming your mind 
And it's uh, a lot of people who try to meditate that you can, so you can, there's lots of apps that you can get on your phone that are fine, that are really great for some people to help calm your mind. The point of meditation is to calm your mind, to reduce stress, to reduce your heart rate, to reduce your blood pressure. That's what we're going for. And, but if you want to look up Japa meditation, it's, uh, if you've had trouble trying to sit and calm your mind and you know, find yourself constantly distracted by the thoughts that just appear out of nowhere and find it difficult to get them to stop, then making sound with your voice through this particular type of japa meditation. Check that out. Just look it up on YouTube. You can find it there. If you can't find it, email me and I will send you a link. There are lots of other ways you can reduce your stress, which will reduce the pipe, the pressure in the pipes, anything that relaxes you. Here's some other things. Clear clutter. If your life is filled with clutter, that's just one more nagging thing that causes stress and can actually increase your blood pressure. Even more significantly, and this is not a popular recommendation, but I got to mention it because it's important. Sometimes it's the most important thing for some people. Resolve festering emotions. Resolve unresolved disagreements or upsets with friends and family members. If all else fails and you cannot contact these people or have any interaction with them, then choose to forgive them. Forgiveness is not for them. Forgiving someone who has done whatever they may have done that still has you upset is not a gift for them, especially, obviously, if you don't speak to them, they're not even going to know anything about it. It's been said before, staying angry at another person is kind of like drinking poison and pretending you're poisoning them. Forgiveness is a gift from you to yourself. You are the main beneficiary. If it helps the other person in whatever situation, that's great, and maybe it will help rekindle a, a beautiful relationship. So much the better. Either way, it's win or win-win. I'm Dr. Todd Binkley. You're listening to Safe, Effective, Natural Solutions to Almost Any Health Challenge. This is our final week in a series of means of reducing your risk of heart disease, the number one cause of death in America and around the world. So to protect your health, to prevent heart disease, you want to do the three things. Keep the pipes clear, keep the pressure low, keep the pump strong. One of the most controversial recurring arguments well actually it's most people most medical researches researchers have always said well if you want to keep the pressure low you have to reduce salt consumption but that's that's kind of hard to do there's so many delicious foods healthy foods fermented foods like pickles and 
sauerkraut and kimchi and cheese, so many, so many foods that are actually really good for you that are high in salt. And researchers have uh, done, you know, done, done the research and shown that it's only about 15 or 10 or 15 percent of your total sodium consumption, the average person, is the sodium that you, when you're grabbing a salt shaker and salting your own food. Most people, especially in America, we eat so much processed food. 85% of the salt we get is from, you know, eating fast food, eating processed food. So if you're cooking your own healthy food, this is an interesting thing. A lot of people won't believe this until they try it. So here's a good thing to check out. Do you know someone? Have you seen someone who has a plate of food served to them and immediately grabs a salt shaker before they even taste the food? Obviously, that's a bad sign. Salt makes a lot of things taste better. But if you, it's like anything else. If you overdo it, then you, you just numb yourself to it. And, you know, lots of things have salt in them already. Cheese is made from salt. So many other things. So, yes, it's important, especially if you have high blood pressure. Robust data exists. Everybody hears this from almost every conventional doctor, that if you have high blood pressure, you need to reduce your sodium consumption. But here's a really interesting study. It's uh, published in the medical literature. The, the headline is Reduce Salt or Increase Potassium. And it's a review of several studies that show which works better, reducing your salt consumption or increasing your potassium consumption. And of course, it's mostly talking about salt substitutes which replace sodium with potassium, which tastes terrible. So they do mention in the study that you can also tip the balance. That's the thing that was most exciting for me to see that this was actually in the medical literature. What really matters, this is what most doctors never tell you. Yes, consuming too much salt, too much sodium will increase your blood pressure and your risk of heart disease. But what really matters is not the total amount of salt you consume, but the ratio of salt versus potassium. And guess what? There's potassium in every fruit and vegetable. So if you eat, don't just don't put salt on your food. I mean, eat food that's well prepared so you don't feel like you need to add more salt. If you feel like you need to add more salt at the table when you're eating it, then it's just probably poorly prepared food. There are so many other spices you can use to make your food taste good, like garlic and shallots and chili peppers and a whole host of other things. Email me about that. The point is, all fruits and vegetables have potassium in them. Most people know that bananas and avocados and, you know, just Google high potassium sources 
Uh, there's lots of healthy foods that have high levels of potassium. And the point is, if you consume enough potassium from real food, then it doesn't matter how much sodium you eat from all those delicious things that are also healthy to eat that have a lot of salt in them, like pickles and sauerkraut and fermented foods and cheese. Cheese has a lot of salt in it. But if you use it mindfully, you know, as a condiment, not as your main source of food, and if you cook most of your own food at home, and instead of eating out in, you know, eating fast food especially, or even eating out in restaurants, you know, I, I eat out in restaurants for lunch, and I know that the chefs in those restaurants overused salt. They just, they do it all the time. That's how they make their food. Salt tastes great. Everyone loves salt. So if you eat out in restaurants, you're probably, all the time, you're probably probably going to be eating too much salt. So I, I eat out in restaurants for lunch, but I compensate by eating at home and making my own food with fresh vegetables and eating a lot of spinach and kale and broccoli and tomatoes and mushrooms and other fresh vegetables. I'm Dr. Todd Bankley. We're talking about safe, effective, natural solutions this month to prevent heart disease. So the, you know, the three steps are keep the pipes clear, keep the pressure low, and keep the pump strong. The focus of today's presentation is to keep the pump strong, which is basically to exercise. So a lot of people have heard about, if you haven't, it's still a good idea to get a pedometer. But there are so many ways to do that. It came out back in, here's a study from the, recently came out in the medical research. It started in actually, I didn't, I never, I'm actually surprised by this, 1965. In Tokyo, Japan, a company released a step counter calling it a 10,000 steps meter. So there's been robust research released ever since then that if you get 10,000 steps a day, then you will, you know, go a long way towards uh, reducing your risk of heart disease. But is where's the evidence? Do you really need to do 10,000 steps? Well, there, there is evidence that 10,000 steps are beneficial and have profound effects. But there's a lot of other research that shows, for example, that just 2,500 steps or about a mile are enough to begin reducing your risk of dying from cardiovascular disease. For every extra 500 steps or one lap around a standard track, you lower that risk by another 7%. Roughly 4,000 steps helps reduce the risk for early death from any cause. At 6,000 steps, you may lower your risk for type 2 diabetes, particularly if you're an older woman. So these are reviews of several studies, and these are all referenced. This is a summary. So it goes on at 500 more, 6,500 steps. 
can lower your blood pressure. The evidence shows that you can lower your blood pressure. If you pass 8,000 steps, you lower your risk for obesity, sleep apnea, and depression. At 9,800 steps, you may reduce your risk of developing dementia by 50%. So now, what happens if you make it to the heavily marketed, everyone's heard about it, 10,000 steps. Well, at 10,500 steps, your risk of dying by cardiovascular disease is 70 77% lower than if you only take 2,500 steps. So let's repeat that again. It's, it's just close enough, 10,000 steps. Basically, this research has showed that any amount of steps that you make is really a good idea to get a pedometer. You can get a pedometer for a good one for 20, 25 bucks on Amazon. A lot of people have, uh, you know, Fitbits or Amazon, uh, Apple watches that track all this stuff for you. Your phone sometimes can do it for you. Even if it's an approximation, that's okay. Uh, the point is just to get a rough estimation of how many steps you're taking per day. And this I'm reviewing, uh, if you just tuned in, I'm reviewing a really interesting uh, review of the literature with a whole bunch of references for the benefits of 2,500, 5,000, 4,000, 6,000, 8,000 10,000 steps, but it ultimately comes back to around 10,000 steps. Uh, it finishes with, at 11,000 steps, you've lowered your risk for hypertension, diabetes, depression, obesity, and sleep apnea by 20 to 25, by 25 to 50 percent more than someone who takes 6,000 steps. At 11,500 steps, the risk for early death may be 67% lower than if you took 4,000 steps. So the average American takes about 4,000 steps a day, 4,400. So consider taking more. Get a device that measures how many steps you take a day, because then you'll know, then you'll have a goal, then you'll, you'll have a reason to go out, take the dog for a walk, or even just go for a walk around the block. Exercise should be something that's easy to incorporate into your daily routine on a regular basis. Here's another fascinating study that just came out, published this month, February 2024 on comparing the effects of Tai Chi versus aerobic exercise on blood pressure in patients with prehypertension. So patients, you know, that had a little bit of high blood pressure, they had uh, half the patients do standard aerobic exercise and had the other half of the patients do Tai Chi. So Tai Chi, if, you know, most people have seen it, if you've never done it yourself, you've probably seen it in the movies. You kind of sort of stand around with your feet wide with an instructor showing you how to do some very specific slow movements. There is wisdom 
and a form of exercise that has been that has been around for hundreds of years. It's very relaxing. Tai Chi is fantastic. So many people want to jump around and you know fix all of their problems in an hour by doing aerobic exercise, and there's nothing wrong with that. Aerobic exercise is wonderful, but we're talking about preventing heart disease. If you want to prevent heart disease, keep the pump strong. So aerobic exercise will keep the pump strong. Absolutely, run. You know, do a marathon. That will keep the pump strong. And if you have anxiety and depression, you know, doing vigorous aerobic exercise, depending on your age, if it, you know, if you tolerate that well, fantastic. I'm, I don't want to shortchange that. But if your goal, if you're older, a little bit older, and you want to, you know, know how to reduce your risk of high blood pressure, then Tai Chi, doing going to a class, they're available everywhere. You probably have access. A lot of people already have a free Tai Chi class available at wherever they're living or at the Y. If you know, if you if you're, if you're not aware of a free Tai Chi class, there's probably one available. Google it or email me. I'll send you a link. But Tai Chi is basically just a series of very specific movements that have been developed and been used by millions of people, especially in Asia, for, I don't know, I think hundreds, don't quote me, but I think hundreds of years, a long time. A lot of people have been doing these exercises for a long time. And they look a little weird if you've never done them before, but they have tremendous effects on lowering your blood pressure on keeping the pressure low. And because you're actually moving your body, they will also have the effect of keeping the pump strong. So you can keep the pressure low and keep the pump strong by doing Tai Chi. And there's robust medical research to show that it works. Lastly, one of the most important things you can do to both keep the pressure low and keep the pump strong is to consume adequate amounts of protein. And I'm going to describe some really great research that's come out in the major medical literature about how most people do not, over a certain age especially, do not get enough protein in their diet. And you may think, it's, uh, lately, people are... In the popular press, it's all most people think, oh, yeah, I got to eat a lot of protein. You go to restaurants, you go to the supermarket, protein content is advertised. You'd think we'd all be eating enough protein, but still, very recent research is showing that people are not people over 50, especially people over 60, and mostly people over 70 are not eating enough protein. But even that's not necessarily true because those studies are based, these studies are based on research that's flawed, frankly. How do you know? The only way you know if you have enough protein is to test your serum protein levels. Get a blood test. Your serum protein levels, most people, your serum protein levels should be seven point something. If it's six point anything, 
it's probably too low. If you're a woman and you're younger and of lower weight, the ranges do vary. So the range, the normal ranges for blood tests are not the same for everybody. They vary a little bit depending on your age and your weight and your gender. But most people should have a serum level of 7.0 to 8.0, a 7 point something, you know, to, to have enough protein to heal and repair all of your cells. So research in the Journal of Nutrition, Health and Aging reveals that most people in the United States do not consume enough protein. And insufficient protein is a marker of poor diet and overall health, which inevitably leads to loss of muscle mass, increased risk of falls and fractures. There is so much I could say and would love to say about this subject, but we're out of time. Email me your questions. Have a fantastic weekend. The motto of my business is live long, live well. Have a fantastic weekend. You've been listening to Safe, Effective, Natural Solutions with Dr. Todd Binkley. If you have a health question you want discussed on the show, email your health questions to Dr. Binkley at binkleyhealingcenter.com. Take advantage of this opportunity to ask questions for yourself and for your loved ones because our health matters. Join him next Friday at 4 p.m. for safe, effective, natural solutions right here on 98.3 The Word, KDAR.